Welcome to the Ladies with Kamikaze minicast, a shorter version of our podcast where in each episode we tackle different aspects of popular culture, including gaming, movies, comics, and more. We talk about what works, what doesn't, and our vision of a more inclusive space for everyone. In this episode, Valerie made Erin and Elise sit down and watch Resident Alien and then discuss their feelings about the show. They also talk about whether or not to ever watch anything Valerie recommends ever again. On with the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast. It is 2021, it is a new year, a new season, and we decided that we were going to start off uh, our new season of the podcast with something that's a little bit more fun. So joining me today, I have Erin and Elise. Do you guys want to say hi? Hello. Hi. And the premise of today's episode is we are going to talk about the new sci-fi series, Resident Alien. And the reason we are going to talk about this show is because I had this this idea, not necessarily meant to torture Elise and Aaron, but what I wanted to do was almost do like a book club with a television show. So I selected a show that I thought maybe they would like, maybe they wouldn't like, but I knew that they would definitely have something to say about it. <laughs> Ask them both to watch it, and now we're going to sort of discuss their first impressions and what they thought. So Erin, because I know that you did a little bit of research about Resident Alien, the show, do you want to share with us what the premise is of the show? Sure. So um, the show is about a uh, an alien who crash lands on earth in the middle of a mission that he is trying to enact and he is forced to try to blend in with the residents of the small town that he's crash landed next to uh, he assumes we'll talk about this later the identity of uh, a doctor who's retired to the area and so is forced to uh, act as the town doctor when uh, their their regular MD gets murdered. <laughs> and then he solves crimes for some reason. Uh, or, or, or so we think. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Potentially solves crimes. That's true. Potentially solves crimes. So um, I am going to put out there that this show is based on a comic that, that none of us have read. <laughs> We have a, a couple impressions of it. I know that they've made a lot of changes uh, from the original comic. So we're just going to focus on the show and specifically mostly the first episode. Um, I think Elise and I might have watched a little bit more, but for the sake of keeping us all on the same page, that's what we're going to talk about. And I also want to do a quick disclaimer um, there is a significant amount of representation of um, the Ute and Navajo nations. Because I'm not an expert, Elise and Aaron are not experts, we have um, decided that we're going to actually dedicate talking about representation in a future episode. So we're going to do, um, we're going to call in an expert and we're going to talk about sort of when we see these cultures that are not usually represented in popular culture, sort of what kind of cues are we looking for um, in terms of accuracy, in terms of inclusion, um, and how can we educate ourselves on the stuff that we're watching? So uh, keep your ears out for that future episode. But I think today we're going to talk about aliens. So Elise and Aaron, <laughs> what when I let's start with the, the beginning. When I asked you to watch the show, what were your first impressions? What were you expecting? 
Ooh, um, the way you described it was a police procedural meets blood spatter meets um, sci-fi. And so I expected a bit of a mess, to be honest with you. <laughs> Fair enough. Elise, what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree. And you you very uh, clearly manipulated us because those are were like keywords to be like, hey, guys. Blood spatter, murder, that gets my attention. Police procedural gets Aaron's attention. So, um, and actually, and a, and a sci-fi show, I think, actually gets both of our attention. Oh, for sure. There are are not a lot of things out there that mix all these things together. And I don't know if, I, you know, we haven't seen enough. Um, I did watch two episodes. But I, I, I mean, to be fair, I don't know if that's enough. For me to say if it's a good idea or a bad idea, but I was going to say, are these are these flavors that go well together? <laughs> well, you it's an you, idea. You neglected an important word, I think. What comedy? And I, <laughs> I'll, I use that term loosely, <laughs> but, but I am not. That is a that is a like a recipe generally for me not loving a show. I like my comedy in the form mostly of uh, cartoons. When real humans are doing it, it has to be super exceptional. The Good Place was the last real comedy I enjoyed. Other than that, uh, yeah, that's usually a stay away sign for me. I hadn't made that connection. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, some of my impressions of whether or not we should watch this show or whether or not I was going to watch the show was based on information that I had heard about the comic, which I believe is not necessarily funny. And I also believe it is more police procedural, perhaps, than this one is. What's funny is I'm picky about, I don't actually watch a ton of police procedurals. I prefer to read them. Hmm. Yeah, because after a while, they get super samey. Uh-huh. So then, you know, mostly I like the ones that do something different. Like the last police procedural I really watched was uh, Eye Zombie. Oh, yeah. You know, so. that would be a good future episode to talk about. Anyway, um, let's let's dig into like impressions of the show, though. Let's talk about it, because I know that you two probably came with things that specifically you wanted to talk about. But let's let's start off easy. Uh, let's talk about the alien or I guess we should call him Harry, the doctor who he's uh, replacing, right? I guess we'll just call mm -hmm. him that. Sure. So what is your take on sort of the characterization of sort of this, this their take on the whole like fish out of water, alien finding themselves in an alien environment? Well, and I, I guess maybe we should also just start by saying this is probably, uh, we should probably just give a spoiler warning. Um, I don't think it's, I don't know if we can have this conversation effectively without giving some stuff away from, you know, the first episode or so. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. I should have said so, that in the beginning. So for me, I think I found the characterization very uneven. Like I said, I've, I've watched two episodes, but I, I still can't really figure out. There are times where it's like, you know, uh, he's very goofy there are times when he's very sinister. There are times when he's very knowledgeable. And there are times when he's very naive. And I, there doesn't seem to be a consistent pattern in these. So, like, you're a fish out of water when? And you're knowledgeable when? And I know, like, he's been, he, you know, they do this montage where he's, like, sitting around watching um, 
TV, mostly Law and Order, for an undetermined amount of time while he sort of adjusts to being to being human. But I still don't feel like it's it's you get the sense of like, oh, this is just what he's learned from watching TV. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah, I just had a very tough time with the with the the unevenness of the characterization. Yeah, I totally agree. What he knew about seemed more vast than you could just learn from watching Law and Order, right? Like he can effectively do an autopsy on a human body. So he's learned that someplace. Um, and he understands certain social interactions, but then others are completely baffling to him. And um, yes, it seems like it was, he'll be naive or confused when it suits them for, I'll again, put air quotes, humorous purposes. Um, and then when they need him to be competent in some way, suddenly he has all of this knowledge. Um, and so it was confusing. I also, I think this is a good time to bring up that I can't tell if I'm supposed to be, um, if I'm supposed to like him. He's the protagonist, and I think he's supposed to be likable, but he's super not. I Yeah, I agree. My take on that was that, especially in the beginning, before they fleshed the character out more, I guess, is that it's relying super hev- heavily on the fact that Alan Tudyk is likable, right? And a lot of people who go into the show are probably going into it because they like him. And so to me, it just felt like you're relying on the, the likability of him, not the character to get you into, to get you into the show in the beginning. Right. You know, that's actually a really good point. Like as I go back and I think about it, A, would I have watched this show were it not Alan Tudyk? And B, would I, would I forgive or tolerate some of the behavior if it wasn't Alan Tudyk and they're doing it, right? Let's straight up spoil some things and talk about some of that behaviors. Absolutely. He murders a man in cold blood in order to assume his identity. He attempts to murder a small child because he might be able to reveal his identity, which is dumb because if no one else can see that he's an alien, why would they believe a nine-year-old? He's violent and abrasive. (laughs) Yes. Like, like, I think one of the first things he learns how to do is give people the finger, right? And that's yes. supposed to be funny. And he uses it correctly, that which was interesting, right? He actually does learn to give the finger. I want to talk about this in context of this whole fish out of water trope. Can we, I want to talk about, I want to compare how they handle it against perhaps some other examples that that might be a little bit more successful because this isn't something new right like we can give a lot of examples i'm sure of characters who start off as being you know bad or uncomfortable or like even um has questionable motivations right and as and and as time grows as that time goes by the character starts to grow so what is it about the way that they're portraying Harry, or so today, Dr. Vanderspiegel, which I actually think is a, is a cute name. <laughs> um, what are they doing with this trope that's making it not work for you where it might work for somebody else? And if, could you give me an example of the ones that do work well? Well, my example of, of one that, that works well for me, and I know it's probably like, ugh, shut up about Supernatural. But I do think that the character of Castiel is a, effective fish out of water character in terms of like when he first shows up he's you know this warrior from heaven and he's very confident 
when it comes to his mission and like what he needs to do and his mission from God and being an angel of the Lord. But when it comes to humanity, he's super awkward and like, you know, doesn't know things, makes a lot of mistakes. And that's consistently handled in his character. I mean, obviously you have like, you know, 10 seasons of that character to expand there, but it always stays. uh, I don't want to say, I don't know if predictable is the right word, but a, but a consistent characterization of like, he's confident when it comes to these things and he's not confident when he, when it comes to these things and what's in each bucket makes sense. If that makes sense. It does. It's clear what he should know because he is an angel and he is a warrior, right? So knowing how to fight makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing something about the world makes sense. He's not like a literal baby who's just stepped into the world. But we also get to see what his learning process is. And I think what's exactly. tough here and why that characterization doesn't work that well is that inconsistency that Elise mentioned earlier. Again, you know how to do an autopsy, which you did not learn from Law and Order. Um, so, so there's some sort of alien preparation that he's gone through. And that is alluded to a little bit. They've clearly studied humanity because he, he talks about how dumb humans are, basically. Um, so it's implied that he's studied up somehow. But then to not know about things like the effects of alcohol on the human body or, you know, again, what it means to to do certain things or to interact with people in certain ways is very off-putting, right? He, he acts a little bit like a child at times. And you're like, well, if you're this super intelligent spy, you know, super villain sent to earth, why would you not have learned these things as well, I guess? <laughs> How come you're not better at figuring this stuff out in the moment? Right. You could drive a truck. That was a, that was another thing. Like you, um, you haven't been able to into stuff in a way that you keep telling us that you're like a super genius and the, one of the most intelligent beings on the planet, but you haven't really shown us that you can into well, he wasn't supposed to land, right? Correct. He's not supposed to have landed. He was supposed to have dropped his package and then moved on. Yeah. So it's funny that that stuff didn't bother me, I think, as much because in my head it was like, well, he wasn't supposed to be there. So he's probably not the most trained for that, right? For interacting with people. Um, I just thought of another character to bring up. Hmm. What about like like Zim? Okay. Invader Zim. <gasps> Yes. Okay. Yeah. Zim wasn't supposed to land there. He has, uh, again, his, his characterization is consistent in how he interacts with humans, how he interacts with like his mission. And actually I, I do find that funny, you know, and the humor and the humor there is like this sort of absurdist thing that you would expect from an alien trying to, to make his way. Right, like Zim. Does, okay, so even though Zim is a is a total failure, right? And it's played off as comedy. I can't help but talk about him because it's like one of my favorite shows. Zim does some pretty terrible things. There's an entire episode where he like harvests organs from children, mm. and yet, oddly enough, we're okay with that. <laughs> well, because it is kind of absurdist, and it's consistent. We were not ever supposed to be rooting for him. I mean, it's another show. 
in a long line where kind of everyone is horrible, including the people you are vaguely rooting for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You know, Dib is not a prize winner by any, <laughs> of, by any metric by which you might judge him. He's not a good or interesting or nice person, but he is trying to save our miserable earth, which is also, you know, part of that, right? Uh, like, like, is this worth saving? But yeah, Zim is at least, the bombastic nature of him is part of why it is funny. Whereas Dr. Vanderspiegel. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's fun to say. You know, Harry's um, not overly bombastic. He sometimes talks about how awful humans are, but he's just trying to get a job done in one sense. But then he has these other moments where the, the thing that really bothered me on the inconsistency piece here is that he is convinced by his nurse to uh, help her get items from her ex-husband's house. Um, and so he goes and he um, helps her mostly unwillingly. That part's fine. But the ex-husband comes home and um, she says, yes, it's fine to leave us alone. Uh, even though it's clear that he, the ex-husband is abusive. So Harry leaves, but then realizes that she's in danger and he turns around and helps her. Then at the end of the episode, you find out his mission is to blow up or somehow destroy. I shouldn't say blow up. I have no idea if it's the blow up, but somehow depopulate the earth. Why bother helping her if he thinks that all humans need to be eradicated? I don't get it, guys. Yeah, I mean, so here's what they're trying to do in the entire first episode is they're trying to do that typical arc of like, I'm coming in and I hate humans. And then I have some interactions with humans and I realize, oh, maybe they're not so bad. And, you know, over time now, the expectation is he's going to start to question his mission. I'm also going to make a like another comparison to something, too, that I that I also hold very close to my heart is Star Trek. So like I kept thinking of like Hugh and like uh, Seven of Nine, right? He is programmed and he is meant to, like, I guess, I guess the thing is, is that I know they had to set up the premise in the first episode. Like, I get it. I'm there. But moments that we're talking about, like those sort of redeemable moments or connections with humans, they kind of have to be earned throughout the story as the character develops. And I think, Erin, what you're talking about is like, it's kind of like too much too soon. It's that, it's that, yes, I can't believe he's suddenly been convinced of the worth of even this one person. But it's also that you set up that he saves her and then he talks about what his mission is. <laughs> so what? Like, again, you, you've rendered that whole interaction meaningless because he's just going to wipe her off the planet with everyone else at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, so like the order of operations makes no damn sense. <laughs> and I feel like if you're going to go for it with a, an irredeemable, awful character, and this gets back to the Zim thing, even if you're going to redeem him later, just like let the first episode, let him be awful. Like give your audience some credit to see that where this is going. And instead you're already trying to lure us in with maybe he's not so bad or maybe he'll learn his lesson. <laughs> I don't know. Just go for it. 
Right. Like, what also might have been funny, too, is, yeah, have him be awful, and then they could have had one thing happen on the end, like, he discovers ice cream, and suddenly he's like, maybe their assistant's so bad because they have ice cream. Like, just to put that little nugget in your head would have been enough. And I, I understand that it's hard to, to do all of this in one episode, but I, I absolutely see the points that you guys are making. I want to I wanna switch gears a little bit, and I want to go back to this idea of your problem with the humor, Aaron. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how the how what the show sort of considers funny or thinks that the audience is going to consider funny. Oh, stuff that 13-year-old boys and 1982 thought was funny. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to describe it. I was like, why are we still making these jokes? You know what's it's funny is is earlier this week I used the example of Monster Squad and the line about the werewolf having nards mm-hmm. as like an example of humor I don't find great. <laughs> like humor I don't get, and that is how I feel about some of the, the comedic beats in this show. Well yeah. and and I think that lends again to the unevenness of the show. Like what is this show and who is it for? Like you're, you're clearly trying to set up a romance, so you're trying to lure people in with that. But then you have hey, what? Weird, what? Like, <laughs> God, like, I hope... You think that they're doing a romance? Think, don't you think that they're trying to set up a, a romance? That's with Harry... Yeah, what's her name? Yeah, <laughs> with the, and, and Asta? With the, the nurse, Asta? I hope yeah. not. I hope not. That's That's... We no. Oh, I, I don't know. They got those vibes too. One hundred. Yeah, that was my take. And so, so it's like, all right. So, who is your audience? Because then you're you have this like super cringy humor. Uh, some of it, um, especially in the the second episode, there's this like medical scene, like, and there's this gynecology scene that I was like, I guarantee no woman finds this funny. Like, it's just it was. I just found it incredibly cringy. And so I'm like, who, who are, who is this for? Well, and there's definitely, I did get, I got a vibe that she was sort of attracted or at least interested in him, you know, interested in, in his outsiderness. They have a whole mountainside chat about like why she, she says why she likes him, but they, their opening scenes, he's awful to her. And mm-hmm. I never see a point where that changes. Like this is absolutely, she's, she's reading so much into this, which could be a really interesting meditation on why women make bad choices sometimes, I guess. But like, I just, I, I had a note that said, why are women attracted to this man? Well, there are some future scenes with the two of them where he is nicer to her. That's why I was like, oh, I see what you're, you're, you're maybe trying to do here. I don't I don't trust that this is just like pure friendship motivation because that's not what shows rarely do between male and female characters. But I I, I, I totally agree. The only thing I could come up with is that there there may be in this sort of like isolated like one stoplight Colorado town and he's a single doctor. Like, <laughs> that's like the only thing I could come up with who's not terrible looking. Right. Relatively in shape. Like I don't know. She starts liking him much sooner than he is ever nice to her. Mm-hmm. So, so that, yeah, I don't know. None of this is a, it, yeah, it was very upsetting to think that 
And she's not the only one. The the bartender in that one scene is also interested. And then we have uh, a third everybody. woman comes in as well. So, so it's like every woman, every woman in the town is is basically like kind of vying for his attention at one point. Can we talk a little bit about about women in that show? Because first of all, that's what we do. That is what we do. But I do want to. I do want to break. I want to. I want to sort of expand on that a little bit. So, where where do we see the female characters? What kind of roles do they have? I mean, all of them are sidelines to this terrible man, <laughs> and and they're they're given some rather traditional roles, right? So she's going to be some sort of understanding. I don't know. She's not a mother figure, but I mean, she's a nurse, right? She's caring. Right. So you're talking about Asta, the nurse. Yes, Asta. Sorry, I couldn't be bothered to remember the names of any of the characters in this show, which I realize is terrible. Also, I don't know that he calls her by her name ever, so that doesn't help. And then there's the bartender, and she's just a party girl. Another note I wrote down is why is she drinking on the job? Like, excessively. <laughs> Like what? because it's a small town and they're quirky, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, quirky and unprofessional. Apparently, does she own the bar? Maybe I don't know. I still don't know that that would be a great way to run your business, even if it's you're not working for someone else. Um, yeah, women get to be, um, and Asta gets to be saved, right? So she gets to be a damsel in distress so that he can be cool and pull a man through a wall. <laughs> I don't know, at least any other thoughts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, they are largely in like support roles. Even the uh, the sheriff, there's a, a oh, I don't, right. what is she like, the deputy, the deputy sheriff, this poor mm-hmm. woman who like barely speaks. And since I watched two episodes, I can tell you she barely speaks in two right. episodes. Was, I, I, I was realizing that just now as we were talking that like all of the women are sort of like in assistant roles to the men. Yeah, right. they're, all, a nurse, they're all support roles. A nurse to help support the doctor, the deputy supports the sheriff, and, well, our mayor's a guy. Um, a young guy. Um, also, I forgot about that lady, that deputy lady, until you just mentioned it, which is, again, terrible, but I just she, she left no impression. Um, except now you've reminded me about that horrible beatboxing scene, and why did that happen? <laughs> I, I have I, to admit that... That whole that whole character, like the sheriff character, is definitely one of the cringy pieces of humor that I will totally admit that I don't get. In that first episode, he makes this big deal about people. He wants people to call him Big Black, <laughs> and I'm like, is it because you're the only black guy in the town? Is that the humor we're using here? Like, I, I genuinely don't get why that was like a refrain or a thing that he would want or is it supposed to be funny well right because first he says people call him that right and it's sort of as if it were an othering but then he insists on being called that and i agree it made me super uncomfortable and i did not understand what we were supposed to get from that i also had a had a moment of confusion and cringiness because i was like is this one of those things that like i isn't for me like that i just don't get or is it as cringy as, as I as it felt? Well, and then so there's this scene where she wants to put music on the radio. He says, I've got your music, starts beatboxing, and then she joins in and they have a duet. And I was just like, why is this happening? 
<laughs> it had no narrative purpose. It was just like, we think this would be great. Or like these two people can do this. I felt like it was the actor is good at what he was doing and they needed to showcase it. But talk about shoehorned in. Well, and I think it's, again, one of those things of like, what are you going for here? Because the other thing that it, this this kind of hearkened me to is my other favorite quirky town show that takes place in a cold place with mountains, <laughs> which is Northern Exposure. Oh, I love that show. And I do too. And the quirkiness of the town, the town is a character, right? Like, mm. and the quirkiness of the town is a character. Is that what you were trying to establish here? That this is a quirky town also? But a lot of the quirkiness is cringy and not charming. And I actually think there was a way that you could do this show that actually would be very charming. And so that actually kind of bummed me out because I was kind of like, I feel like actually you could make this show much more fun than it really, than it is. That's a good point, because if the town were charming, I could see how they were going to lure him over to people aren't so bad. But mm-hmm. here, I kind of feel like he's right, and we should just blow everybody up. Mm-hmm. I love it when we sort of workshop a thing. We're always like, I mean, if I wanted to fix this, here's what I would do to fix it. <laughs> here's what I want. Northern exposure with aliens. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Um. Please, sci-fi. That's what I would like. It's Northern Exposure with Aliens. Absolutely. And I'm not joking. I would watch that. Um, I think they think they've given it to you. Uh, yeah. But I do want to talk about, let's let's go a little bit more about things that had like the potential. Because I do want to give a little shout out to Alan Tudyk. He's working hard. I, I, he's working hard. Mm-hmm. He is one of those, uh, he's he's one of those actors, I, I have a particular fondness for him because he keeps popping up everywhere um, and in places that you would never expect, right? So, like, he does a lot of uh, voice acting, you know, he's been in, like, almost every one of the more recent Disney movies. He was even in Moana, he voices just a chicken. <laughs> so, I was very excited to see him in something that was potentially, like, his new, like, lead or a star vehicle for him. Um, and at least I think you sort of nailed it when you said, like, he's working hard. Mm-hmm. Because, like, his little grins and the way that he plays off the sort of uncomfortableness makes me blame the direction and not him <laughs> for the way that it's being done. Yeah, I, like I said, like I said um, earlier, I think I think that right, at least in the beginning, although I think I read that the, it already got a second season. So, you know, what do I know? Mm-hmm. But I still feel like it's it's really banking on his like ability to pull people in as opposed to just being like an all around good show. And so was there anything redeeming that you guys liked about the show? There were two things. One, the alien is cool. He looks good. That is a good looking alien. And two... (laughs) They use Brown Bird's Bilgewater as the um, as the theme song, and I just really love that song. And um, thinking about Brown Bird makes me really sad. But they're uh, semi-local. They're 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 a Rhode Island-based band, or were, and it was nice to hear that song <laughs> at the beginning of the show. And I, although I'll say on the flip side, it gave me high hopes that were quickly dashed. Um, why why does it make you sad? Um, oh God. 
the lead singer of Brown Bird um, died of cancer a few years ago. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and it was a band of between him and his wife. So just. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. See, it was a downer. But. Well, and, and I will, I will echo similarly. I also like that song. It features um, very heavily on some of our shared mixes. So mm-hmm. uh, that uh, although I, I will admit, like, that song is very atmospheric. Like, it sets a tone. And so I, 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 I'm not sure if it if the show has lived up to that tone. But I uh, the other thing, and I didn't hate the show at, at all. You know, I might even watch a little more just to see, like, where do you end up with this? Since it seems like you're, uh, you know, it's still kind of finding its way. But I do also think it's, it's, um, it's a pretty show. Like, Erin, to your point, the alien, it looks good. And, like, the scenery, it's, like, you know, it's a pretty show. It's It's got uh, certainly very stylized in some senses. You know, he drives around in this sort of artfully beat-up red pickup truck. And he lives on this little, very charming, some doctor's retirement home, like, on a lake where you could ice fish or do whatever retired doctors do. So it's it's a pretty show. Yeah, no, that lake house is great. I, that's true. Kudos to the house. Um, and I agree. To you know, you, when you talked about the the theme song, it, that song is evocative of a particular mood. And again, so I was like, oh, Brown Bird, we're in for a treat here. And then I was just like, you didn't earn that song at all. Show didn't earn it. Not to go back to I Zombie, which I think Erin, you brought up earlier. I did. Also, super good theme song that I think the tone is in tone in line with the tone of the show, which is kind of goofy and like, you know, a little dark. And, and so, yeah, I wish there was a little bit more of tonal alignment. You know, it seems to be my theme for this whole, my whole uh, <laughs> view here. So sorry. No, no, no. Actually, that's a, that's a great example because iZombie is the perfect example because it takes all of the bits of iZombie and puts it together, right? So the beginning credits have that amazing song that that fits the tone of the show. It has artwork by um, original artist, right, of the the comic that it's based on. Yeah, Mike Oliver. And it, yep, and it, pro- it sets up the premise of the show. It's, it, it's it's perfect. You're right. Right, and that's another show that went in a very different direction than its comic, right? But it was okay because you had then two things that were really enjoyable. And I, I feel the same way about the show, The Magicians. I love the books. I love the show. They're really different. You might not like both. I happen to. I haven't read this comic, but again, I feel like this was not an improvement. <laughs> um, the comic might also be terrible. I have no idea, but but this wasn't helping things. So it looks like it looks like my score right now for for the for, for the, I don't want to call it like forced watching, but. Um, I don't know, tele like TV book club, whatever you want to call it. Um, is Aaron? Is what? Valerie makes us watch. Valerie, yeah, Valerie makes you watch things. Um, is Valerie makes E squared watch things. <laughs> so Aaron gives me a big zero. Elise seems to be on the fence. You get like a half a point. 
<laughs> can, we, can we work? Can we work in half points? Well, you know what's funny because I'm not. Yeah, sure, absolutely. In fact, I do want you guys to score things because yeah, the, the yeah. premise of this is not necessarily to find. It's not always to find things that I think you're gonna like. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I sort of thought that the premise was maybe that we wouldn't. But um, yeah, what I was re- I was reaching I was researching um, Disney television cartoons for you guys last night. So buckle up. <laughs> Well, do you mean like the new ones or old ones? No, I mean newer ones. Because I've got to say, most of the ones I've seen, I've really liked. I've finished the Owl House already. Oh my gosh, that is that was on my list. So scratch that one off. You keep oh. you keep making me scratch ones off. I'm like Amphibia. Nope. You could I pretend you forced me. <laughs> well, I mean, it could also be a revisiting, I suppose, right? Yes. It can always be that. Yeah. Um, or even if we just want to do an episode where, where you know, Elise watches it, then she deals with our over-enthusiasm about things. Elise, <laughs> <laughs> a, new, a new podcast series, Elise, Elise deals with other people's over-enthusiasm, part one. Well, she worked in a supernatural reference, so I think we're done. Yeah, there you go. Maybe that'll just, uh, that'll be my, uh, my goal for every time. Every time you try to make me uh, deal with over-enthusiasm. Like, there you yeah. go. I mean, I the, the, like I said, the whole idea of this was to sort of like, first of all, I I just love our ability as, as sort of the ladies of Kamikaze to pick things apart and um, talk about what works, what doesn't work, and what we would fix. But also, it's an excellent opportunity for us to like, you know, be a little more lighthearted, right? Like, oh, there's this thing that we didn't like. I don't know. Like, is it funny that an alien wants to like do a biopsy so he can take the brain out and squish it like a little squishy like stress ball? I don't know. Is it? No. <laughs> I feel like that's a. I feel like that's a personal choice. Like, <laughs> I, your mileage may differ. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, <laughs> Do either of you have any sort of requests then for the next one? Like a genre request, something that you want me to look into, perhaps avoid? Be like, Valerie, I'm begging you anything but this. No, no, because I actually think much like book club, I guess we could do a little, a quick little plug. So Erin and I both help also organize the, the Kamikaze book club. And one of the things that both of us and, and many of the book club, club regulars kind of staunchly try to try to stick with is like we read everything even if it's not a thing that you would like so actually I feel like taking me out of my comfort zone makes this more interesting it makes the conversation more fun like if it's something that I like I'm just gonna be like yeah I totally liked it as opposed to being able to kind of critically think about it yeah I would I would agree I mean I think the willingness to engage with lots of different kinds of storytelling is is something that uh, I pride myself on. So I'm open to anything. I think I can still talk about things I like with, by saying more than just, I liked it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and that's an important ability to have when you're doing a podcast. So thank you both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's super joy. If you were looking for the, the three-minute podcast, just, woo, it was good. <laughs> but but n- new things that I may or may not like is a little bit more fun. Uh, I'm going mi- to admit, especially now where the days are very predictable uh, in terms of pandemic life, 
to sort of as as little and as stupid as it may seem to have an unexpected like I may or may not like this. I actually don't know how this is going to go is is something at this point. Right. So you have either something to look forward to or dread. <laughs> well, at least it's something different. get surprised by. Right. Um, then you know what? We're going to uh, we're going to wrap this up and I'm going to sort of revisit Elisa's plug. So the Kamikaze Book Club is um, indeed run by Elisa and Erin. Um, it is every other Tuesday. And because of the pandemic, it is also done remotely. So if you are interested in reading and joining, you can find information um, in the Facebook group, right? Is it called Kamikaze Book Club? It's called Kamikaze Book Club. We actually run on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. Um, and if you go to Facebook Kamikaze Book Club, you can find a list of books that go all the way until July 6th. Our next book, which will be on March 2nd, is 47 Ronin. Awesome. So um, definitely check that out. And I'm also going to do another plug. If you enjoy Elise and Aaron's musical tastes, um, I believe we actually have the Ladies Con playlist um, available on our website, right? We do. We do. And uh, yeah, you can listen to several years worth of Ladies Con's playlists. Yes, that are heavily influenced by Elise and my taste in music. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's at www.ladiescon.com. I'm not sure what section it's under, but if you can't find it, you can always contact us and we will help you find it. And so thank you both for joining me for this year's first podcast. Let's uh, hope that 2021 is going to be a lot of fun. And if not, I'm going to do my best to make sure it is interesting for the both of you. Thanks, Valerie. Right. Thanks for having us and having this idea. <laughs> and everyone else, thanks for listening and have a good night. Hi, everyone. Valerie here. And on behalf of all of the ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including LadiesCon. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.